All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. How's it going? How you doing? How's your week? Good. I've been obsessed with golf as of late, actually. Just, like, constantly. Playing. Thinking about golf. Not constantly playing, though. But, like, I was, like, even as I go to sleep at night, I was like, ah, what could I have done on number two last week? But uh, you've always had that mindset. At least once a year, you really get gung-ho about the about the game no only like the last two years okay now okay. i'm like full bore insane person do you have guys who you go golfing with every time or like do you ever get paired up with strangers i always hated that oh yeah that does happen sometimes sometimes it's fine um no i have i have friends and i have dads take your pick right the dads are the ones that are like Oh, uh, I don't think I can get out. Like, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure I'll be there one day, but it's like, come on, man. Get out for 18 holes one time. I was briefly into golf. Like when I was a kid, like my, my parents bought me all the stuff to be like a kid who golfed. And yeah. my brother got really into it. Like as a spectator, he was a fan of professional golf. And then he and my dad would just like talk shop golf every Sunday. And I think maybe that disenchanted me from from liking it as a hobby because it just I was inundated with like the specifics and the like the the deep cut of golf. And I'm just right. not a competitive person by nature. And so I I was terrible at it. And I didn't I've never played a hey, let's not keep score or hey, let's play best ball or hey, let's just get drunk and have fun. Like any one of those things might be a blast. But I was always playing with my brother who like took it really seriously, which is great. Um, but then I decided I didn't want to golf anymore. Uh Long way to say, I still have a memory of my dad taking my brother and I and our two friends golfing, and that's five people, and so they split us up. And so me and the boys were in one group, and we got paired with this old man named Fred. And we still joke about Fred because, I mean, from Fred's point of view, it was probably so weird that he had to like be in a foursome with these three 12-year-olds, but he had like ass-long hair and big old like Mark David Chapman glasses and a Tilly hat. And every time you would hit the ball, he would go, hey! and then <laughs> in the meantime, he would be like walking around the woods looking not for his ball, but just for just other good. balls. And so, yeah. yeah, he was just the weirdest guy, Fred. And we just, man, props to Fred though. Like golfing with three 12 year olds would be my nightmare. It would be hell. And also like, he just came to the golf course by himself expecting to get paired with somebody. And that's already like pretty socially impressive. Although he was a strange yeah. dude. Um, but I have to imagine he went home to his wife at the end of that day. and was like, man, fuck that $45 golf game. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never believe what they did to me. They yeah. were like, Hey, maybe if we pair Fred up with three 12 year olds, he'll never play the game again. Right. <laughs> he'll <laughs> never come to the course. Maybe they're trying to get rid of weirdo Fred. Yeah. He's always walking around their woods scaring people. He's alienating our our teams. Do you have any watch on? What's it? You have a new digital watch, a smart watch? Oh, so this was an early birthday present from Jen. Garmin. It's a Garmin. Beautiful. It's, it's, speaking of love of golf, this is a yardage watch. So oh. when you when you go out, so it tells the time, but also when you go to a golf course, you click like, okay, start. And it pinpoints where you are. And it's like, oh, you're at Brightwood. First hole is 536 yards. And as you like approach your your ball, it like counts down the yardage from the middle of the green, front of the green, back of the green. Okay, that's the coolest thing ever. Isn't it sweet? Does like, it, it, do, do golf courses have to be like programmed into the GPS system? Well, it's satellite, right? So okay. they somehow yeah take take the markings of like the center of the green but like all of the golf courses are in there so i don't think that they're necessarily like traveled but i think they there may be like like shot from above like a satellite photo right oh okay possibly zoomed in and that's terribly it, cool it's so cool like i last time i was out Last time I was out, I actually was like, "Oh, guys, the yardage here is," and they were they all kind of like lifted their wrists and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're good." Oh, like like they all had them too, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay, they, these are like far more popular than I thought." Is it a traditional smartwatch? Like, can you check texts and stuff on it? You actually can. Uh, so you can get 
a bunch of push notifications and we didn't even think that was like part of it. Right. But then, yeah, now, now we get alerts. I get those kind of alerts too. That's very cool. Well, it looks it's nice. great. You and yeah. I were just talking the other day about how I've just in quarantine, I've found a strange love for men's watches. I was thinking that it was weird. I didn't bring it up at that point because I had this. Oh yeah. Were you so, wearing it then? I, yeah. It would have been on me. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I was wearing long sleeves. Uh, you were, I was going to, I was actually going to do a deep dive on watches and send you some of my favorites. Cause I've kind of forgot what my favorites are. I'd love to see that. I, I just like, I've been, uh, just like window shopping online up, like basically strictly within the affordable watch category. Mm-hmm. And so like strictly like looking at like high quality brands that don't cost you an arm and a leg or another interesting thing to do is to like peruse eBay for vintage picks. And there's a really cool watch store in California called want to buy a watch, which gets really expensive really fast, but they strictly sell um, high quality vintage watches. And most of them like start at a thousand bucks, but right. um, it's just a fun thing to look at pictures of. And, and also there's totally. like a deep YouTube community of people who review watches. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. What do you think the best watch that they find is like, is there like a, a traditional Mac? There's just so many. The consensus is that the, the most well-made watch in the world is the Patek Philippe, which is like a $10,000 watch or more. $30,000. Which, which kind of sucks. Well, the, the price of it does, or just the watch is not interesting. It's just not interesting to me. I just find it's kind of like weird and gaudy and like oddly shaped. Yeah. Like that, 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 that like main model i think it's called the nautilus they're like they're most it kind of looks like a grenade it's yeah it's not uh, the most stylish watch but they're also like a hundred year old company and you can go back far enough and find some pretty sweet stuff and nice. and rolex is obviously very boring but i mean it's great yeah i think i think that's kind of one of the big takeaways is like as much as everyone hates rolexes if they have the money to get a rolex they're like I'm going to do it. Like they don't really, yeah. the watch community is kind of like over it, but sure. at the same time they're, they want it. Yeah. It seems to me that right now a very hot uh, take is that the grand Seiko is the nicest luxury watch, which is funny. Cause like Seiko, like they invented the quartz watch, the battery powered watch. And they're kind of known for being like the best watch you can get for a reasonable $300. But they also have a high end luxury brand called grand Seiko, which you do spend like $8,000 on. And they're gorgeous. And they've got like the blue dial. Yeah. God, those are so, so beautiful. Yeah, they yeah. are. Those are great watches. I mean, I'm assuming they're great watches. It's not like I've ever had one on my wrist, but oh, and I've never had any of these things on my wrist. But they do say that like you feel pretty special. I have a hard time buying into that, and it's probably best that I don't. But mm. like, I mean, I guess it's kind of like driving a Tesla. It's like it, you invested your time and energy and your money into this thing that is special, and so it feels right. special, and it should. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing about a Rolex is that it will not depreciate. Like if you take care of it, it is uh, an investment the way almost nothing else is. And that kind of validates a lot of people's habitual buying. Yeah. Although like it has to kind of go down eventually, right? Like you have to put a watch can't just live forever. I guess. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I guess like I, I think I looked up a thread that was and this is maybe not interesting podcasting for anyone but you and I. But, that's but I that's I looked, 161 episodes you're describing. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. <laughs> I think I looked something up that said, like, you can't keep something in, like, peak condition because the parts are eventually going to, like, die out or get bought up. And, and so that's why watches die. It's just because, like, eventually the supply of all of the things dries up and you're not going to put that much maintenance into it. Maybe, but like I don't know that they've. I don't know that they've really improved upon the the traditional watch movement in the last fifty years. It's not like buying a car and driving it off the lot and immediately it loses forty percent of its value because right. the the bones are still the same. And are the bones still the same? I'm pretty sure. Like, I, I guess I know what you mean by like the movement's still the same, but you'd think that like some of the parts would sorry. Can you hear that? No. No, you, you, every time. Your volume dipped out a second ago just once. That'll just be because of this um, low, like, glucose dropping alert thing that I'm getting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so I can sort this out. I mean, they, but, they are still over time, like advancing the movement. Like th these companies who make their own um, are, I do hear that. I do hear all the crinkle there. Um, okay. They, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're making new, new devices, but um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know enough to speak on it, but it seems to me that like, if you, if you spent $8,000 on a watch in 30 years, it's not going to be worth 2000. Right. Right. But who knows? Maybe I'm a sucker. I don't think you are. Plus, you haven't actually invested any money in this yet. So. No, I bought a, I bought a sixty dollar Casio diver watch for all my expeditions, and I put it. Actually, it looks beautiful. It like, is beautiful. That's the other reason I'd never buy one of these ridiculous luxury watches. This thing punches above its weight. It's, um, it's got two hundred meter water resistance. It's, um, it's just nice looking. I put it on a stainless steel bracelet. I think the stainless steel bracelet looks phenomenal. I gotta, I kind of want to buy one for myself. Like, yeah. I just like the way it looks. Go for it. Black face, black dial. Boom. Yeah, we can be watch twins. The time yeah. is now. That's right. So you're gonna watch Hamilton? I haven't yet. I'm going to. Yep. But I haven't yet. I knew that Jen didn't want to, which I confirmed with her after that thought. And right. she's like, yeah, no, I don't care. <laughs> uh, and so I just need to find a weird time where I'm going to sit down and watch a musical by myself. Yeah, and like almost three hours long, too. Yeah, I figured it's not a short one. No, such a thing doesn't exist. We watched it on Sunday night after like memorizing that entire soundtrack, which is ostensibly the whole show, over like okay. five years, like const never not listening to Hamilton to some extent. Um, and so it was helpful to know it really well going in. And maybe I just don't have a very good like sound system in my living room, or uh, I, d I didn't find that the sound was as good as I hoped it would be, but maybe your TV's better or something. Because um, yeah. I'm not really hearing that complaint universally. Okay. Uh, but I mean, it's beautiful looking. It's really well shot. I've never seen a stage show be so cinematic, that's for sure. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited, I'm excited to see it. But you're, I, I'm, I'm sad that you kind of walked, I thought you were going to be like, you gotta well like oh my it's god a, it's a combination of things part of me wants to do that because that is how i feel about it as like one of the great works of our of our time mm -hmm. um it's also just really uh nice to watch it and this kind of validates they're putting it out like during covid um it's comforting because it was written um during and almost arguably for the obama era like it's such a it's such an ideologue um right this this piece and and so it's kind of comforting to because it's all about like everything america could be right and right. it doesn't really feel like america is everything it could be right now and so it's kind of comforting for that reason um i'm also just in general trying to exercise not overselling things so much because i think i do that to a fault i think i do it to you i do it to my folks my friends i'm always like oh it's going to change your life and you're like okay <laughs> 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 I feel like the same person after watching Hamilton. What happened? Yeah. Well, you might not feel like the same person. I, I, I'm definitely better for knowing Hamilton as well as I do. You think it's had a, uh, a changing effect on your life? Uh, well, I don't know. That's kind of a grand statement. I do think it's inspiring. I think like some, somebody made this thing and that's sensationally right. inspiring. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I'm into it. I'm into it. I will watch it. Yeah. Yeah. What Don't are you, what, what are you watching? Did you watch anything good? You watched Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it uh, is fun, right? About, yeah. We talked about that a little bit. Um, what else did I watch? I feel like there was something really kind of compelling that I watched recently, but can't quite think of it. We finished Love Life. We were kind of in a weird, like, trying to find something to the point that we watched, like, oh, <laughs> Outer Banks was one that came up that Jen finally got into. It was kind of like a, a flavor of the week Netflix show. That was a little bit like the OC meets the Goonies. Okay. I think you could find a, uh, I think you could enjoy this show. What's it called? Um, Outer Banks. Outer Banks. I've never heard of this. So it's supposed to be like the outer banks of, I think, like North Carolina. So it's kind of okay. like on the shore. So wait a second. So there's it's, like, it's literally called the OB. 
there's <laughs> you know what i didn't put that together <laughs> i don't know if they ever call it ob no but but there's yeah kind of a group of like like a bunch of ryan's that aren't necessarily uh stealing and stuff but okay. they know of um they're all kind of like into into boating or like working on some sort of boats and uh they there's a sort of like treasure that they know of like a kind of a like a ship related treasure ah. that's kind of an old wives tale through this land and meanwhile it's all taking place in high school and so there's like you know drug use between all like the rich kids and meanwhile these kids are just like get bent rich kids <laughs> okay and of course there's there's a bit of a love interest in one of the like rich girls and one of the more poor kids is it, is it kind as, of trashy? It, sound, it sounds like kind of a trashy show. Uh, I don't want to bring it down to trash. Like I don't, I, I didn't quite see it as like a CW. Well, it is, it is on the same level as the OC. Okay. Uh, there are certainly some extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily dramatic pieces that fall into play. I mean, I don't know how we define the quality of the OC, but I think by and large folks would agree it was a good show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think of that as like a super trashy show. I feel like it had some heart and it was like a bit of like a, a TV drama, but I don't think it was like, I don't know, like one of the newer CW dramas kind of thing. Well, I mean, the OC was just the next 90210. There's always a reigning teen drama. That's, that's what this is trying to be. It's a melodrama, I guess is the right word for it. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely... Um, consumed a lot of like teen melodrama in my adult life so maybe it is maybe i will check out the ob the treasure hunting aspect makes it makes it pretty interesting That's and a nice touch one of the kind of like unsung characters from whose line is it anyway plays a father in it who it's not like colin mockery or greg proops or um uh ryan styles is it chip Eston? It might be Chip Eston. I only ask because he was on the Office Ladies podcast this week. He was like in a couple episodes of The Office early on. It's Chip Eston. Chip Eston. It is Chip Eston. Okay, so yeah. he did mention that he's on a Netflix show and I just wasn't paying very close attention. But this That's is actually a, is. a good segue because the weirdest thing, Brian, Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin on The Office, is starting an Office retrospective podcast, which feels shady as hell to me. Well... All of these office characters, for some reason, are all these office actors are just realizing how profitable the office actually is. Yeah, because he's trying to do that. Stanley's trying to start a, a fundraising campaign, uh, like a crowdfunding campaign, to start a uh, Stanley spinoff. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, I read that somewhere. Oh no! And then there's office ladies, and then there's like. I don't know. It seems like Rain Wilson and John Krasinski were kind of the ones who were like, you know, doing stuff all along. Well, yeah, Rain Wilson on a on a much smaller scale, but he does have an independence and an individuality. Obviously, John Krasinski became like a huge star. He's like a a list yes, celebrity, and, and so and not Carell. related to the Office. Like they they continued on like finding their own paths. It's funny. We we were watching an episode the other night, and Roy appeared. So Pam's ex fiance. Yeah, and, and I I mentioned like it must be weird for that guy because he is not like mega rich because he was in maybe twenty episodes of The Office. He's he's he probably made a little bit of money from that. Has not really done a lot of acting outside of that. Certainly nothing is high profile, and yet I bet he gets recognized every day of his life. And there's a lot You're of so people, right. a lot of people like that in the show. In fact, people who were in it um, a lot more than he was, and maybe made a little more money but maybe aren't set for life either. Yeah. That what, yeah. What a strange notion. Like Jim Gaffigan. I heard on one of these podcasts that Jim Gaffigan told another like up and coming comedians, like you don't want to get to that level of fame, but I feel like Roy is kind of at that level of fame. Well, another example would be Gunther, whoever played Gunther, like that guy right. gets recognized every day for 25 right. years. And he is definitely never been in another thing. Like he's, he's def doesn't have any of that money anymore. Like, yeah. I mean, he can go to like cons or something, 
you know, right. Friends Con, if that's a thing. Same with Janice. Like, these are, like, we're probably working actors. I'm not saying they're losers, but, like, they did not transition. A lot of people in the office who are not famous for literally anything else. And so, like, on the one hand, I get that you're profiting off of your your big success. You were on the show for nine years. Sure, have a podcast. But one, The Office Ladies is bad, yes, but it's also all-encompassing. I don't need another podcast to be like, listen, we've got stories from the making of that'll tell you stuff you can't hear anywhere else. It just feels very competitive and shady. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I was also looking up uh, what, what's this guy's name? James Michael Tyler, which Gun- sounds like a fake name. That's Gunther. This is Gunther. Yeah. He, he, um, he apparently did uh, an episode of the BBC slash Showtime sitcom episodes, the one that uh, Matt LeBlanc was in. So that's a joke. And he played, yeah, well, he played himself as an ice hockey coach when Matt LeBlanc tries to unsuccessfully get the other main stars from Friends to appear in a promotional video for the fictional television show Pucks. Okay, but that's that's just another, that's just a 10 years said, ago yeah. version of having a podcast because you were in Friends. Totally. Yeah, he is not... Uh, He's apparently been in, uh, in 2013, he was in a show called Modern Music. Ah, uh, a show for the ages. Yeah. But yeah, so Gunther not doing a lot. I was really hoping to find something that said like, he has denounced his, <laughs> his uh, <laughs> role in Friends and wishes it never happened. If you them. call him Gunther, he'll lash out at you and throw a tomato at your head. But I'm sure he's, he's got to kind of love it, right? Like, you got to court um, notoriety at all costs at that point. Well, and I make a joke about him having spent all that money, but no, I guess he'd get residual checks all the time. And maybe it's not... Yeah, I was going to say, he's he's still probably a consistent millionaire. Like, Oh, I don't know about a millionaire, though, bud. Like, that's not a lot of speaking roles. He's always in the background, but speaking is what pays. So he has spoken, though. Sure. There is, like, I don't know, maybe one or two shows where he had like a minor plot line a minor plot line yeah so i just think he is at at the peak of television like the absolute it was it was like the peak of what actors could be making yep and he was on that show i I feel like he's and it's one of the highest syndicated shows it is i just think i think using the m word i think millionaire is really pushing it for gunther how much is Gunther work worth? Yeah. What, I, Looking at that. <laughs> I do need to know now. And you, if you were to say someone like Janice, like maybe so. Whoever plays Janice. Well, he isn't making $20 million per year from friends like his co-star Jennifer Aniston. James Michael Tyler does well for himself and is certainly worth more than his character Gunther. According to Celebrity Net Worth, the famous Central Park barista is worth about 500000 Okay. That's there good. Go. That's pretty good. That's pretty solid. Yeah, that means he has a great house. Not millions, but like, like yeah, if he manages money right, he's doing fine. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I feel much better about, uh, about Gunther now. Yeah. <laughs> Today, the hit television series generates approximately $1 billion per year. Seriously. Now. Good Lord. Yeah. And that uh, reunion is coming up. The, the Variety Actors on Actors series is obviously doing like Zoom chats for this season and they paired up. They seem to have like, a, they like really strategized who they were going to pair with who. Like they put Penn Badgley and Chase Crawford together because they both happen to have shows right now. But they were also on Gossip Girl together. And so they did the same right. with, with uh, Lisa Kudrow, who's not just promoting Space Force. She's got something else and I forget what it is. But, uh, and then also with, uh, with Jennifer Aniston, who obviously is, She's trying to milk the morning show for all it's critically worth. And so it's just two of them, uh, Lisa Kudrow and, and Aniston, talking for an hour on YouTube. And it's it's pretty sweet. It's pretty lovely. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty nice. nice. Is it just them talking to each other or yeah. is there like someone interviewing? No, it's there? just the two of them interviewing each other. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. That, that would be interesting. Jude Law is going to play Hook in the new Peter Pan and Wendy live action. There's been a lot of like... Peter Pan iterations over the years, but Jude Law is one of those people. He's kind of like Ben Affleck. He's kind of like the British Ben Affleck in that like, I don't have a single problem with him and maybe I should. 
Like <laughs> maybe he's maybe he sucks, but I actually am so excited every time he's in something. Yeah, he's he, You know what? He's at least an interesting actor in the sense he's not showing up in every single thing. Nope. You know a handful of like great movies that he's been in. He's almost kind of like a a more troubled Tom Hanks in a way. Oh, he's not every man like Tom Hanks. He's so fucking beautiful. Yeah, I guess you have to go more Damon route to get to get Tom Hanks level. Yes, but is he as mainstream as Damon? Like, he's not the born identity. I mean, I know, I guess he's the new Dumbledore. And he was in Captain Marvel. Those are pretty mainstream. But, like, the young Pope is a decidedly weird career pivot because he can do whatever he wants and he's an artist. And I just don't see Damon doing something like that. Did you see the meme that was going around that was... Uh... Peter Pan approaching Captain Hook and Captain Hook goes, Oh, Captain Hook. You call me Captain Hook because of the hand, right? <laughs> he goes, I have, I have a dead dad too. Why don't you call me Captain dead dad? <laughs> no, what are their enemies? <laughs> I laughed so hard. It's like him discovering that they are calling him Captain Hook. It's uh, never occurred to me. You know, growing up is really realizing that Hook was maybe not the, the most evil villain of all the Disney villains. Like he's just like being pestered by this kid who like vocally refuses to grow up. <laughs> yeah. Almost sings about it. Yeah. It seems like he's got whole songs about it and everything. And he leads this like mob of indoctrinated children who, who he kidnapped from bedroom windows in London. Right. Hey, Pen15 season two got an announcement. Did you hear about that? Yeah. September it's coming back in two parts. Amazing. Though, Two parts is weird. Like, they also announced that uh, Ozark is coming back for a final season. I mean, I didn't have any uh, doubts that Ozark would come back, but I'm glad they're going to call it now. Except they're doing the two-part season. And that just yeah. leaves me wondering, like, okay, what is a season then? Because if you're going to air it with six right. months in between, that's two seasons, and they happen to be short. Right. That's really what they should do. They could do two seven-episode seasons of Ozark. Oh, man. Uh, honestly, like, if that's the way shows worked, if instead of every year or year and a half you got eight episodes if every six to eight months you got four episodes that might be nice depends on the show i that's, suppose that's true because yeah there a show like ozark sometimes it takes like four episodes to really get into it so if that season's done after four and this is what i find also about like stranger things you start watching them and you're four in and you look at the the season and you're like i've still got seven more like it's kind of exciting right. to know that you have a lot ahead of you yeah that's true although i i think that Stranger Things kind of keeps its foot on the accelerator a little bit more. Dead to Me is the other one that got their third season announced this week, and they're also ending after the third season, which I think is a major integrity move. I'm a little disappointed because I could have, I think they could have gotten four, but because Dead to Me is so high concept, I think that it very quickly could have veered towards um, like outrageous Grace Anatomy type shit to keep the yeah. story moving. Right. No, it's good. Pull the plug on that. I think so. And and I'm, you know, I'm glad to see what, what they do next. They should work together again. Like, I think, did you watch Dead to Me or you just gave it a shot and it wasn't really up your alley? No, I've given it a shot and uh, it kind of is up my alley. It's just one of those weird, like, I don't know when I'm in the mood to watch a show like that. You just need to get the momentum going and then you'll be happy to yeah. watch it whenever. I think Jen would like it too. It's just, it's just a fun watch and they're so good together. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard only good things uh, from you, especially. Yeah. Um, John Mulaney doing another sack lunch bunch doing two more two more yeah and at Comedy I, Central instead of Netflix instead of Netflix so I, I can't figure out why that is I mean Comedy Central might be floundering a little bit so they backed up a Brinks truck to get Mulaney but like Netflix famously can back up a Brinks truck. That's why Comedy Central is floundering and you'd think they'd want to keep Mulaney over everybody unless sack lunch bunch one didn't do nearly as well as say new in town, which I'm sure it didn't. That's, that's quite possible. Um, I was thinking about, uh, uh, the sack lunch bunch and, uh, Quibi because I was listening to the podcast, the Bill Simmons podcast where, uh, that he had a guest talking about Quibi and how, you know, it hasn't really been what it was supposed to be. It just hasn't really found the thing. And a point he kept pointing to was, it also hasn't had like a huge hit. 
Like there could be a huge hit that swings that entire thing. Like, you know, Disney has the Mandalorian, for instance, that was the thing that like got everyone through the door for Disney. Right. And And they they knew to launch with it also. Like that was a, that was a great way to start a streaming service the way the morning show wasn't. Right. And, but, but now, you know, Apple TV is like, Hey, let's take a swing at this Tom Hanks, world war two movie. Yeah. So like they're, at least they're, they're trying stuff. So this is comedy central, I think saying, okay, we just need to like pay someone what they want to try to get some sort of hit that people will watch. Good. Good. That's cool. And they have a past relationship with him. I think his first two specials came out there. Probably. I love the sack lunch bunch. Like a couple of those songs every now and then they wander into my brain and I'm happy to have them there. I thought it was, I thought it was a fun, fun watch for sure. I didn't watch it again. No, me neither. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But, but I could, uh, I could go back and give it a double watch. So I don't have a whole lot of details in the background of this, but I do know that Halle Berry got a little bit of flack for being cast as a trans man in a movie. And what I don't know is who's making this movie or what the movie is, but the role was a trans man and Halle Berry got cast and then she got a, obviously a bunch of backlash and we've seen this happen before several Mm -hmm. times. Uh, with Scarlet and whatever. And then she stepped away from the role because of the criticism. And I mean, all of that is history repeating itself. What I can't figure out, what I can't figure out is why what is also repeating itself is them making this decision in the first place. We've got enough cases of this in the last five years where they should know, all right, this is what the climate looks like now. Whether they like it or not, they're going to have to cast a trans person for the trans role. People are, you're just going to embarrass your studio and curse your film if you try and sneak one by the internet. It's not going to work. It's almost like them being like, is Halle Berry like Beyonce? Like, does she have a flock of people that will come to her defense regardless of what happens? Or She's not, but I also, I don't think even Beyonce could get away with this. You know, I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were like, maybe they just thought she was beloved enough, but obviously not. And so I think, you know, it it is telling about Halle Berry that like she was tone deaf enough not to choose otherwise in the first place. But I feel like the buck doesn't stop there. And like we're only mm-hmm. ever talking about like how, you know, fuck Scarlett Johansson for, for taking the role away from somebody who more rightfully deserved it. What about the studios who make these decisions? This kind of goes back to our blackface conversation the other week about like Jimmy Fallon on SNL. Like how come Lorne Michaels isn't having to answer for this? How come studio heads aren't, aren't having to answer for their weird fetishization, first of all, of the transition process in films? It's like it's, it's very omnipresent. And right. their like unwillingness to accept that it's just not going to work with a conventional cisgendered movie star. It's not going to draw people in. It's only going to create, it's going to cost you money in the end. Right. Was the crying game? Like that was like the original transgender movie. Was that a transgender person? Uh, Boys don't cry. Is that what you're talking about? With swank? No, the crying game. I don't know. I mean, it's funny. That's what, that's what boys don't cry is about. I don't know the crying game. Uh, it was like one of the first Miramax movies. Oh, maybe so. Well, that's what Swank won her first Oscar for. Um, and then like okay. as recently as Dallas Buyers Club, obviously, that's, but you know, come a long way. I don't know. Yeah, the no, I, yeah it's uh, you should look up uh, the trailer for it. You'd, I think you'd start to, it's kind of parodied a little bit in Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which okay. is problematic. Yeah. Um, and anyways, that's, that, that was kind of the fuel for Ace Ventura's parody. I watched, um, 50 first dates the other week and there is a lot of transphobia in that movie. Is there? Yeah. 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 I I don't, I'm not that surprised by that being the case. No, it's not as sweet of a movie as I remember it to be either. Like it does, it is kind of sweet, but like. It's kind of more on the slapsticky Sandler side than the rom-com yeah. side that I remember. Right. Oh, well. I remember thinking it was a bit too long, and I probably thought it was a bit too long when I was in, like, junior high or high school, so... Right. That says something. You wish you had amnesia. Yeah. 
So they're bringing back the weakest link on NBC. Of course they are. Of course they are. And it's almost a wonder this hasn't happened sooner. Like the weakest link came in in that golden age of primetime, elaborate, like high concept million dollar game shows that of course was ushered in by Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which we talked about recently. Uh, that of course opened the door for Deal or No Deal to be like the next. But in between there was a little show called The, called the Weakest Link. And for some reason that doesn't seem to exist on like GSN or in, uh, it doesn't seem to be like YouTube clips of that going around or anything. And so it's about time they brought back the WL. They tried to pump that uh, <laughs> the, the host of The Weakest Link who was like this staunch British lady. And Robinson. Like, she is so mean. Like, yeah. you're never going to believe how mean she is. And really, it was just her, just like, telling people they were wrong. Well, I had to get off the show. Well, yeah. So, Ann Robinson. It's funny. I did a, I did a little wiki search about Ann Robinson today because good because i read that the weakest league was coming back and in fact jane lynch is hosting which is it's so perfect it's like that's so on brand they just like got someone who kind of looks like ann robinson but is american and also has been mean on tv before have you watched the, and i'm tying this all together have you watched the new hannibal burris special no i didn't know it was out yet so it's on it's just on youtube i love that yeah he, re- he released it on youtube and it's great quality it's really good but he has this joke in it where he goes once a year, I get asked if I will do a game show. He's like, seriously? Once a year. At least once a year. He's like, and I've said no every time. But in my head, I think, and this is one of the cool parts about the, the show, is like they have like voiceover effects and they have like background stuff happening. Oh, like cool. a big kind of like screen. It's very like A V friendly if you're into that. Great. Uh, and he uh, his voice goes super low and it's like the prophecy will be fulfilled. <laughs> Just wait. The prophecy will be fulfilled. Like it's like, which is so funny because you could totally see him hosting a game show like The Weakest Link or whatever. Well, he's so unconventional. So it is about hosting a game show, right? Because he was a contestant on Celebrity Millionaire, and he was funny yes. on it. But he wasn't really willing to play by the rules. He was very relaxed, and I think he's he's not strict enough and well-timed enough for hosting a game show which is all about the rhythm right right it's so up such a pocketed job so i think jane lynch will be fine at that but i was i was researching ann robinson and it turns out she she is kind of problematic and maybe that's why they haven't brought her back um as the host of the show it turns out she did host some version of the show until 2012 but she has like a, a bad past of being like a uh a dangerous domestic alcoholic and she lost custody of her kid in the 70s oh my God. and then like in later the 70s? on this is a long time ago and then um <laughs> later on i think she got herself together and she like she uh, has a new family and everything but she is uh oh that's what it was she shamed um harvey weinstein's survivors when that uh, broke out like three years ago, she was one oh, of those people boy. who was like, well, why didn't you come forward sooner? That She was one of those people. Oh, God. And so I think that's why NBC is like, nope, not doing that. Yeah. What's her name, Anne? Robinson. Robinson. God, for such a wholesome name. <laughs> yeah. She's got a checkered bath. You're right. She sounds like a Beverly Cleary type or something. Right. Not so yeah. much. <laughs> it's not exactly clear what the future of brooklyn 99 is at this point when um the defund the police movement really began there a month or so ago they announced they're going to throw out all their scripts for this next season and start over they're going to make that a part of their narrative and then andy sandberg said this week that they're discussing whether or not it's even possible to make a lighthearted comedy about police in this climate and so the future of b99 is unclear Wow. Yeah, I totally understand that. Like, as soon as that started happening, I was thinking, like, A, how are they going to do this? And B, are they going to want to do this at all? Palm yeah. Springs comes out, isn't that? Yeah. T- on Friday? Tomorrow? It comes out this week. It's got a 98% fresh rating on RT. Oh, amazing. So how how do we find this? I think it's on Hulu. So that's this is one of those things that's very tricky for, for Canadians. Right. Yeah. We got the what should we call this? Like the Hulu pocket? We're in like the Hulu blind spot. Yeah. The Hulu blind spot. I like that. Yeah. It's yeah. a Hulu blind spot. Yeah. Damn, man. 
Well, I'm going to find a way to watch it. I'll tell you that for free. We got Hulu dist. Yeah. Well, and also Greyhound comes out, which you alluded to a second ago. I mean, I, I've been sure. kind of off the blog, the, the Tom Hanks blog for maybe almost two months. And so I'm going to get back into it now with uh, Greyhound coming out. Nice. It looks pretty good. It looks like pretty tense. It's his third movie that he's, he wrote. So that's kind of exciting. What's the reason for taking the time off the blog? I just kind of, I, I just wanted a little break from it. I was like writing a thousand words a week for like 25 weeks straight. And right. uh, also like two people read it at most. And so I just wanted to give myself uh, a little time off. And now I've got like, uh, you know, the other half of his catalog. So I just kind of do it in, in two seasons or whenever I, I also like, I, I decided I'd give myself this project to get, to get myself writing more and to give myself something to write about if I didn't have like another project on the go. And then as a creature of habit, I very quickly like fell into this pattern of needing it to come out on Wednesdays and needing it to be 999 words and like, uh, you know, needing to watch the movie on, uh, Sunday at the latest so I can have a review of it by Wednesday. And like, I, I, I'm just, right. I, I think a little anal about those things. And so I can let these things take over my life. So I decided to just give myself a little break. I hear you. Yeah. Yep. 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 For sure. Yep. The only other thing I have uh, is, okay, so uh, let me tell the long version of this first. I'm going to buy a new computer. Did I, t- did I tell you I was going to buy myself a new computer? Yeah, you've been threatening it for months now. Oh, I, I guess you're right. I should just shit or get off the pot. And I decided I'm going to get a PC because I just can't, I can't uh, shell out for another MacBook. I don't need it for, I do these podcasts and I, you know, write a Tom Hanks blog. And, um, Another reason is that I decided recently I want to get back into The Sims. I loved The Sims <laughs> when I was a kid. Okay. And I want to get back into The Sims. And so Sims 5, as it turns out, comes out in 2021. But Sims 4, as like a four-year-old game, is like 35 bucks. So I can get into The Sims 4 on the ground level for real cheap. And as luck would have it, was announced today, they're working on a Sims 4 reality TV show, which is a competition series where you have to like, I don't know, get your stats up faster than the next person over or something. But it's just like people playing The Sims on television for prize money. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, so it dumb. Makes total sense that you're buying a PC. Then. Yeah, I should definitely, definitely change my whole digital lifestyle because of this reality <laughs> show. Uh, the the most shocking part about that whole conversation was the fact that they've only done four Sims games. But it's not exactly the case. They've done like four. It's kind of like the PlayStation. Like every eight years, they put out a new, like a totally new reimagined version of what The Sims is. And then over the next eight years, they update it with expansion packs and like they they kind of beef it up. And so they learned very early on, like as early as 20 years ago, how to get a lot of mileage out of releasing a video game and how to create it. I mean, obviously, video game addiction existed before The Sims, but like they were very on it at ea yeah right but i loved that shit when i was a kid we had the original sims and like we had the pet one and the vacation one and the get a job one and i love that whoa oh yeah a game i've never played except sitting next to the owner of someone who had the sim okay you just like went over to someone's house and played their sims i didn't even play it it was kind of like hey i'm gonna play sims and i'd be like okay what's happening (laughs) It's pretty fun. And I was like a kid who played with a lot of Lego and stuff too. I think like me and our friends, we just like like the idea of like building houses and picking out a couch. (laughs) (laughs) You also like the interior design aspect. Yeah, what mirror would look good here in this entry, in this foyer? (laughs) And then once you picked it, what was that feeling? Well, we never like, we never played the simulation uh factor we we just like built the houses and like beefed up the neighborhood and ran the cheats so we could have infinite cash but we never like like tried to like, we never had like the, the sims uh clean their house or anything so was the idea that that you like build this family and then they kind of just live their yeah. lives and you yeah. check in on them every once in a while yeah and you make sure they like yeah exactly you like make sure they're interacting with each other so that they love each other and like you have to feed them. Otherwise they start complaining and they get cranky and they get sick if they aren't eating and you have to like bathe them. It sounds so creepy when I describe it this way, but like, Whoa. yeah, you have to like take care of them. It's like simulating a real life or, or you, or you can sadistically uh, torture them. That's the other thing. Like the classic example was put them in the swimming pool and then remove the ladder from the swimming pool and they'll just drown. 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's dark. Sure, sure it is. I hope there's no elementary school kid running my simulation. Maybe that's what this is, honestly. Although sometimes I kind of feel like there is. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about shows? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I think it's my turn to go first. Would you care to put me on a clock of some kind, or are we just are we are we moved beyond the clock? Are we not doing the clock in 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 COVID? I think let's move beyond it in COVID and and finish the explanation, and then we can. Because I I hate cutting you off at thirty seconds anyway. Right, and I always run long. Okay, I'll do no, my not best. Necessarily, but... I'm gonna recap okay. the first episode of the new Perry Mason, starring Matthew Reese, uh, and you give me okay. a countdown, and I'll. Uh, I'll do my best. Okay. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to start in three, two, one, go. Couple can't find their baby. I think the baby was kidnapped or something. The person on the phone is like, you'll find your baby on this bus. The couple rushes onto the bus and they find the baby, but the baby is dead and his eyes are sewn shut. Enter the great uh, gumshoe detective Perry Mason, who also has a bit of a drinking problem and he's a sad sack because he's a detective in a dark TV show. And he's good friends with John Lithgow, who's like his lawyer. And together they've got this long history of like writing wrongs and stuff. And also Perry Mason lives on his family's farm and he has an ex-wife or at least a baby mama and a kid he's not allowed to see because he just can't get his shit together and he's got to hook up with this lady and uh he is a great detective and there's a lot of other bad guys yeah and there's also yeah, like think- uh, multiple he also has a hookup at the uh morgue where like he goes to look at the bodies of, of people who've died including the dead baby so let's get this out of the way you're really making a choice if you're going to put a dead baby with eyelids sewn shut in the opening scene of your series. Totally. An additional choice to show that same baby later at the morgue while they're unclipping the eye uh, stitches. Right. That must have bothered you. It bothered me a bit, yeah. And then later, when the guy gets shot in the neck and then the, the bad guy was like stepping on his bloody neck. And so... Really, it was like it was a couple of things in this which were like proto Colin can't handle himself right now. <laughs> uh, sure, but it was it was it was like kind of good, I guess. I don't know anything about the original Perry Mason. Do you? I really thought he was a he, lawyer, not a not a gumshoe. When was the original Perry Mason? Was the, this like a sixties thing? It was the fifties. It was in black and white. Fifties. Okay. I, I think so, this takes place in the forties. And I was like, was it originally quite as dark? It couldn't have been, obviously. No, no. I, no, I, a lot more I think it was more of a courtroom show, actually. Um, and and yeah, this is supposed to be like a really gritty take on Perry Mason, which is fine. But like I said in the recap, I'm just getting pretty bored of all of these blue-hued guys so tortured, but he's a great detective, you know? But it's also, some of the humor is kind of like, uh, like corny. When? What humor? Well, I just mean like, you know, when the 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 person that they're kind of pursuing in the the restaurant, the like really heavy guy. I mean, yeah. Like, oh, the SS Chubby's sailing away. You're not wrong. Like, the, how about the whipped cream scene? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, was this what the original Perry Mason was was kind of about like I have a uh, feeling like I have a feeling the whipped cream scene also didn't happen in the original Perry Mason in the fifties. Well, I thought maybe if it was like a seventies like sh- movie or something, it could have had like kind of tones of that without necessarily showing it like it did. But what were the what was the point of those two characters? Maybe I missed it, but they were both like famous. Like she was like a, st- a Hollywood starlet, and he was like a funny comedy guy, and they're having yes. they're having gross sex involving food, and he was taking pictures of them to incriminate somebody i guess yeah he was trying to incriminate the heavy comic guy um or actually yeah for whatever reason he was trying to show evidence of an affair but then when he went into the studio he loved being able to flaunt that it was actually one of the people that they hired or one of the yeah one of the like actresses that they represented that was in the scene with this guy that they were trying to incriminate. Right. So she was equally incriminatable. Okay. And that's why he was like, so actually the price is going to be $600 because I have images of your gal. That's right. And then the guy, he doesn't get his money because they're basically like, well, we're going to steal them. Uh, and you know, if you complain we'll kill you or whatever. Right. That's right. Um, 
she kind of reminded me of Christina Hendricks. I kind of thought for a second she was Christina Hendricks. And then it, and then I realized, well, why would this be the way they introduce Christina Hendricks? She's like covered in whipped cream and naked with her legs spread. Right. Another thing you, you uh, might have not touched on was the fact that the father, I think, was for sure involved. Oh, he, wait, his father? Ba- oh, no, uh, oh, Nate Cordry. In the baby scheme, yeah. That's right. So we didn't really talk about that. Was it definitely clarified that the father was involved because he was vehemently protesting it? And they do kind of spend some time where Perry's talking to the mother who's heartbroken. But for a second, I kind of thought he was suspicious of the mother. Yeah, I wasn't sure. But but they show the... Um, don't they show the kind of like shady crew who is like, oh, I don't know, I don't think we're going to get away with this. And like one guy who I think was the father is like... I should have known. I should have known as soon as I got on that bus, like I shouldn't have been doing this or whatever. And they're like, don't worry about it. No one's going to get caught. Right. Maybe you're right. So you're, you're you're a long running Matthew Reese fan and I I like him. He does play an awful lot of sad sacks though. I'd like to see him play somebody light. Yeah, me too. Uh, Like I wasn't, I for sure wasn't like, you know, cheering for him regardless of what I've watched before. It like I, I kind of felt this this show didn't really deliver. Like everyone, I think, was really excited about this Perry Mason show. I also thought it was overhyped. I th- I thought it wasn't bad, but there's obviously a lot of production value going into it. Like, well, it, almost to the point where like the opening sequence is clearly a soundstage, but like in a deliberate way, it looks old fashioned and kind of old Hollywoody. Right. And then the rest of it is, you know, I, I like that they're leaning into the old stylistic tropes of like the, the trumpet solo at the end and the fact that it's a dark right. and stormy night. And like, that's that's kind of cool. Although if they're going to go that far, I kind of wish they would make it like uh, a really high octane procedural drama because that's clearly what Perry Mason used to be, right? And now procedural dramas are right. all on network TV and they all blow. And obviously we're living in the golden age of serialized drama where they spend tons of money on it and it's awesome. But like, maybe we can blend those two. Maybe HBO can give us a, you didn't need to see last week. Here's what's happening this week. But with really, right. really high production value. And I know Tatiana Maslany plays like one of the main, she's one of the main characters and she was like hinted at it in the first episode, but you don't actually see her. She's not actually acting in the first no, episode. No, both she and John Lithgow can be in anything. They're like, they're both so cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big definitely. fan. Uh, Nick Pizzolatto left this show. He was going to be the showrunner of this thing and he left it to do True Detective 3. Interesting. Yeah. True Detective, so the one that already came out. Yeah. The one with, Okay. So, like, I think this is when they weren't sure that True Detective 3 was going to happen, and then he was working on this, and then he left when he got to do number three, I guess, to kind of uh, redeem himself. I don't know. It could be be interesting, but I just uh, don't think I'm going to watch anymore. No, and it was, like, so gruesome at times. And, And that's another thing I don't think it needed. Like, between, like, showing a dead baby and showing a dick in the first five minutes, they were just so, look, we're HBO, and I didn't need it. Right. Yeah, we can do these things. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, so I guess we're in the same uh, in the same boat. I did like how pleased he was by getting a shoe thrown at him. Like that was like the only happy moment of the show, Perry Mason. And also when he's happy. when he's having sex with that gal and she's like so uh rough. <laughs> that was kind of funny yes. when he like falls down the bed crevice. I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. And his limbs are kind of just going like every which way but it's kind of sad when he's talking to his uh his baby mama but like wanted to see the kid and like you can see why he lost custody of this kid because he is very angry and drunk he's an s yeah 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 Absolutely. yeah so s's so I, I don't think i give him my s i'm i'm on the fence i i, I it, it wasn't harsh to not yeah to not do but i agree well that's the problem with the the binary rating it's system rating we have system. here yeah. yeah. You know what? I think I will give it my ass because they tried really hard and they came up with a good thing. And and it's good for people if that's what they want to see. But I think that we have a lot of this and mm. it's definitely not my cup of tea. Um, of the two shows we did today, not to get ahead of myself, I liked it more, I guess. But um, ultimately, it's not first on my recommendation list. Perry Mason. Right. Well, good on you. Okay, so uh, you're going to recap the first episode of Zero, Zero, Zero. Is this just new now, or are we nearing season no, two territory? 
No, I think it came out in like early January. Like it was like one of the first new shows of the season released. Okay. Uh, and it was on Prime. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Okay. So um, I'll count you down. You're good to go for the first episode of Zero Zero Zero. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to try to do this off the top of my dome, but there's a lot going on. Don't worry about names. Just just kind of give us a, a scope. In okay. three, two, one, go. So in Mexico, there are a uh, series of drug cartels. Uh, one of the elderly members of the drug cartel who has kind of ran stuff for a while, who's got a lot of enemies... Uh, has this new carrier and this new price that he's going to be offering everyone. And it seems to bring all of the kind of crime families together until uh, this person ends up, uh, uh, until you kind of realize that the son doesn't want the father to be successful in that and ends up killing one of the other cartel members. And you kind of learn they want to do this to the grandfather as well. Meanwhile, there is a man who runs a shipping business. He and his family are involved in this, and they are heavily involved in the cartel as well. This is kind of how they get paid. They don't want to go legit, and the son has Huntington's disease, uh, and he doesn't oh. want the son to get involved. Okay, yeah, he's in like a he's in like a Huntington's disease like help group. Okay, maybe I just kind of spaced on that, and not to cut you off, but like it, I knew he was in some kind of support group, and it was clear that he has uh, a hearing disability, and and just in general, maybe some kind of strange um, coping uh, idiosyncrasies. I I wasn't sure exactly if they put their finger on what it was. Yeah, they they made mention of the how the fact that the mother had the same disease. Okay, and uh, eventually, like you know, you see some of the other people in the help group that are involuntarily, you know, twitching and moving in ways that, that, you know, clearly they can't control. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And then at the end, um, and at the beginning, they kind of do the whole like flash forward thing. I know. And Uh, I was so ready to criticize the showing you the climax and then backtracking and building towards the climax. I was ready to criticize that as a thing we've seen one too many times in the last decade. But I yeah. like that they kind of spun it twice. So they show us in the opening scene, uh, Gabriel Byrne, who's like the patriarch here of the shipping company. He gets shot. That's how kind of how the show opens. And then we flash yeah. back and we see half the episode with the cartel building towards yeah. that moment. And then, then we build to it. And then the second half of the episode is Gabriel Byrne and his family building towards that same moment. So the fact that they run it twice from two perspectives is kind of a nice touch. Kind of works. Yeah. 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 I um I really liked it. I thought there hasn't really been shows that are shot in such a way, like such a like crisp and like kind of beautiful moving way where okay. I think they're really thinking about how they're framing each uh, each person, even having while they're walking down the street, the son's walking behind the father asking if everything's okay. I just like I, I thought everything had its had a purpose. That's interesting. I, I didn't even consider to look at it from like a production standpoint. And I guess in hindsight, it was nicely done. I was just so thrown. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And very clearly, it's a show about um, drugs. And then for the first half of it, uh, you know, my privileged self was like, is this a foreign language show? Because it literally was for the first half. And I've, I found myself mm. kind of struggling to keep up. And then just because by virtue of the fact that it was easier to follow, the second half was kind of a little bit more my speed. And I was definitely curious about the Dane DeHaan uh, son character and, and his sister. Um, but uh, I, I wasn't really thoroughly invested in anybody else. I was curious about like what he's got going on. Clearly, he has some struggles. Um, I don't know if he's going to like end up being the main character of the show. But I, I, I didn't truly care about anybody. That was part of my problem. That's that's fair. I mean, I think the son kind of lends himself to being the the most likable character and kind of like a uh, like you kind of know that his story, no matter what, is going to be a little bit tragic. Right. But he and his sister are seemingly the only relationship in this show. No one else seems to have any kind of like emotional connection to another character. No, I, I, I think you'd be right in saying that for sure. So that was kind of strange. I, I, it was striking to me that Gabriel Byrne is like standing on a on a dockyard and i realize that's who his character is but like it's just uh the usual suspects but daytime 
because he's Keaton from Christ. The Usual Suspects. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He was someone that I couldn't place, and I was like, I know I like this actor so much, but I just like don't know why. But it's almost weird he's not in more things, because that's like an iconic part in an iconic movie, and he's a good character actor. Yeah, it's so strange. Like, yeah. What else has he been in? I don't know. But that's that's why I was so easily able to go, oh, that's Keaton from Usual Suspects, because I don't know him right. from many things. I don't, And I had to look up that his name is Gabriel Byrne. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think it's going to be a, a roller coaster of a show. As someone who kind of likes these kind of shows, I feel like it's the real version of of Ozark. It was, yeah, that's probably true. It was incredibly violent, uh, and so I wrote down, we sure picked a couple of sweets winners tonight. Fuck you, Slaney. Next week we're watching the new Babysitters Club. Just to, <laughs> we're watching. Just to kind of Hamilton turn it, in two parts. Yeah, just to turn it down for for my poor right. little my little heart. We can totally do that. I feel like I really, I really served you up some like easy ones. I was like, let's do love life. Let's do like, you know, ones that I like knew you would enjoy. You're not wrong. Definitely. You served me something that was my, my grade there. Did you catch why the show is called zero, zero, zero? No. Why is it? So it's really interesting. This is based on the Italian system for grading flour based on its fineness. And so they grade it, uh, uh, they'll grade flour either a two, a one, a zero, or a zero, zero based on how fine it is. And so a zero, zero, zero is finer than all that. It's cocaine. Oh, wow. So that's kind of a, and I guess it's based on a book. It's that this whole show is based on a book that maybe more clearly explains that. Sweet. I, I drifted out at that point. I did not catch that at all. I'm not sure it was even mentioned in the show. I had to, I just kind of saw oh, it on, you found on, it on IMDb. I don't know. I have a whole lot of other observations about it. I think it's ludicrous that the intro is 18 minutes long before they decided to play the theme song. I don't know if you caught that. They did stretch that out quite a while before we saw some opening credits. It was dumb. I was it was so jarring when it came on. I was like, "There's no way. There's no way yeah. this is the theme song." I think it's I think it's going to be a good watch though. I think it's going to be quite a quite a thriller. I can't give it my ass because I just don't care about any of these people. No, no. I do give it my ass because I think I'm going to watch the whole thing and I think I'm going to really like it. Oh well, I mean, at least you have it to to watch. You've got your the full seasons just there waiting for you on on Prime. And I do like that. Unlike yeah. Hulu, they don't diss you. You've got the availability. There's no Hulu blind spot. That's right. Have you ever heard of a singer called August Alsina? No, I have not. Male singer? I hadn't either. He's apparently a, a family friend of the Smith family. And he claimed this week publicly, presumably with the permission to do so, that he's been in a four-year uh, intimate relationship with Jada Pinkett Smith and has Will's blessing to do so. And he didn't say, I was in a relationship with Jada, but it ended. He said, I am in a relationship as for like the last four years with, with Jada, and I have Will's blessing. And he said it publicly, kind of indicating that what we've always thought to be true about their the openness of their relationship is is probably confirmed now. Although it's weird that they wouldn't confirm it, except like it would be really crass for them to do it. They haven't released comment on it at all? Nope. Oh my God. Yeah. What a scoop. I know. I know. And it kind, kind of comes in around all kinds of news stories about Will Smith that um, that 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 aren't uh, suspicious at all. Like, I mean, he's working on these a couple of movies that we've talked about recently that actually sound like good pieces. And he had made mention yesterday about like having had his own personal run-ins with like police as a black man in America. And um Actually, he made that statement yesterday at the same time and did not comment on this other story. So either he tried to bury this story with another more interesting story or they put out two things. Two things can be true. (laughs) Two things can be true. Wow. By the way, I'm not judging people's lifestyle. It's just it's it's just so strange that like this has been uh, quietly a part of this this long-lasting Hollywood marriage. And like, there are so few long-lasting Hollywood marriages that people always get suspicious of the ones that are long-lasting. And then suddenly there there's something unconventional about it. Maybe. I think I, maybe what we thought was that they were just cheating on each other all the time. Yeah, I, th- I, I kind of thought that is what we thought. Right. I mean, polyamory, uh, that's me using a poor word. Of- well, that's why I want to say I'm not judging anyone's lifestyle. Um, 
it seems like that's more likely the case. Unless they're cheating, in which case then don't trust them. But if they're if it's all been agreed upon, then we're good with it. Well, look, this <laughs> August Alsina says that he loves her, and so at least so either at least it's real. <laughs> either never trust Will Smith, or if it's all been agreed upon, then we're good with it. <laughs> Look, August Alsina trusts that Will Smith is fine with it. And yeah. you know what? Like, If, if they are engaging in multiple uh, love partners in this marriage, and, and that's fine, there must be trust in their relationship. That's got to be the heart of a relationship right? like that, right? So totally. clearly Jada trusts Will Smith. Listen, Sweets and Slaney, we just hope the Smiths are being safe. <laughs> Just be responsible. Bring it up at the red table so that everybody's on the same page. Let's clear the air at the red table, Smith. <laughs>